back i said back i didn't put the k in there back back i did a whole thing of getting ready there pronouncing all the cities enunciating and i've choked to start the episode tip of the tongue the teeth and the lips tippity tongue spectacular spinal whatever (laughs) i can't remember what i said before but anyway alex we're back for a special episode why is it so special um, it may be the 50th episode of the podcast. Oh my god! O-M-G. I think it's really like episode 53, but, yeah, but officially, nah. it's episode 50. Yeah, Now that's the most important thing. Daniel was going to be here, but school is keeping him because he is too responsible and it sickens me. But Alex, we're having a bit of a pizza party here. We've got Pizza Pizza because yep. Panico Pizza is not around here, which is heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Your mother was so kind as to make us these little cheese sticks. Yep. And Alex, to start the show, actually, before I do my whole bit about episode of this, you know, episode 50, I think we have to give a shout out to our most loyal listeners, a.k.a. Our mothers. Our mothers. If there's if there's things they're certain in life, it's death taxes and that our mothers are the most supportive listeners of this podcast. Exactly. And Taha. Yeah, I and, guess. Uh, God bless them. Spread the word. And whoever people. else listens. Yeah, we've always if had that listen. mystery fourth listener. <clears throat> Sorry. If you listen, you should let us know. Yeah. Leave a review, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, Alex, we've had a rich a rich history since we started this back in, was it, was it, oh God, when did we start this? August? No, we started it before free agency. God, yeah, it did. It feels like a very long time ago. Do you not remember what the very first episode we did that we did not actually not release? Really? Yeah. Oh residence. yeah, we did it in my res. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I swore in the first thirty seconds. I wonder if I could. Yeah, the lost episode. I wonder if it's still in my on my phone somewhere. But anyway, Alex, do you remember back in the day? I'm gonna give you a short but decorated history of this show. When we first were going to, without thinking, try and pitch this to CGRU, even though there is the university-based radio thing, where we were going to try, and we had ideas like the cross-Canadian checkup, the Hey Hey USA segment, and now we have, of course, the Power Hour and the segments. From It's a Hockey Podcast to us ripping off The Athletic and saying a new standard in sports, sports podcasting, this is, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the 50th episode of the two-on-one podcast. We got Pizza Pizza. Got some Gatorade. Nothing sponsored, but hashtag fishing for sponsors, Alex. But we're here. There's lots to talk about. What's your favorite moment from this show's history? I do have to ask. I have a couple. Yeah? Yeah. Um, The first one, it's science, man. It is. It's science. And we're probably going to talk about it today because someone interesting in the NHL said something very controversial. Yeah? Yeah. One, Colin Campbell. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right. Number two, emergency podcast. Babcock edition? Babcock. That was a good one. I remember I was driving to the gym and I checked my phone. Mike Babcock has been fired and I called you. You did. And I turned around and I said, I'm not going to the gym today. 
and I haven't been since. I was no, playing I'm Minecraft. I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. You're playing Minecraft. I was farming, yeah. Picking my wheat and that. Okay. Make some bread. Now, you have to tell me your favorite moment of the podcast. Or moments. I think any time me and you get into a bit of a, a back and forth. Man, um, that's like once an episode. Specifically the Patrice Bergeron one. That's a big favorite of mine. Also, I feel like today we might make a new moment with me kissing Nathan McKinnon's ass for probably two hours. That'll be fun. And I think if there's one moment above all else I gotta choose, I think it was your original letter to Lease fans. The original one. Oh, yes. That was, was pretty that, good. That was before Babcock was fired. Yes, it was me telling people to panic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I might tell you that again today. It depends on how I feel. Mm-hmm. But before going to the Leafs and the Habs, who have both had some pretty a uh, pretty rough week, to be honest with you, we'll move on and we'll go go to the Power Hour, Alex. And I don't think there is a better way to start the Power Hour. You know hour. who it's sponsored by? Who? The Two on One Podcast. The Two on One Podcast. It's a hockey podcast. Exactly. And it's also a new standard in sports podcasting. Only a little bit of a ripoff. Only, only a little bit. Only a little bit. That much. Did we ever say where the It's a Hockey podcast thing came from? I don't even know where it came from. So, in the journalism program, in second, in first semester of second year, we had to make a sequence, if you remember, Alex. A sequence video. And uh, so... And for it, I, I was the one being, quote, interviewed in the video. <laughs> yeah. And I said... We do a, we do a podcast two in one podcast. It's a hockey podcast, and we just kind of went from about there. That. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, but anyway, Alex, going straight into the episode, I think there is no better way to start it than to celebrate the life of Henri Richard. Of course, died at eighty four years old the other day. Um, Alex, honestly, the worst part about this is it wasn't a surprise to hear the news. I think believe it was since. 2015 he was battling Alzheimer's. I remember when I was living in Montreal. It was the first time I've heard of it. What you can really see, I'm just going to list off a bunch of the, you know, you've probably heard these stats before, but of course, in 20 years of a career, 11 Stanley Cups. 11. That's the most championships by a player, I think, in any of the professional sports leagues. So, 20 years. So, at the end of his career, he had more seasons where he won a championship than he didn't. Two cup-winning goals. The most games played in Habs history. Over 1,000 points. The Hockey Hall of Fame. His number 16 is retired by the Habs. And you talk about the class. You talk about the dignity of being a Montreal Canadian. That was Henri Richard. Now, of course, he retired, I believe, in the 70s. But there is a reputation, there is an aura about those old Habs. And they were never, the Montreal Canadiens in their heyday were never big. They were never, like, never tough. Now, Maurice Richard, his brother, of course, you know, he stuck up for himself. But the Canadians were the flying Frenchmen. And they won. And that's what Henri Richard was at his core. Yeah. So... I mean, you you probably know more about him than I do. Yes. It seems like you summed him up quite well. Yeah. But it's it's great to see all the love pouring out for him. I believe the Montreal Canadiens' ex-home game may be on Tuesday. And as Jeff Merrick loves to point out, if there's two places they can do a celebration properly, it's Buckingham Palace and it's the Bell Centre. And I say 
a celebration because I would imagine that this would be a celebration of Henri Richard's life. And I guarantee you when they do that moment of silence, it will be long and you will be able to hear a pen drop like Jean Beliveau's um, celebration a few years ago. And oh, it was really, I was listening to the support of Athletique. It's uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens podcast for the Athletic. And they were talking about how the only real remnant left of that old Montreal Canadiens dynasty now is Guy Lafleur. Yeah. And it's, of course, you also have guys like Yvonne Cornier, but like the only real star left is Guy Lafleur. And it's, uh, it's, it's harrowing to think, but at the same time, uh, at the end of this, just to finish off on Ari Richard, uh, of course, our best wishes and deepest condolences to his family. Sure. But it sucks that we're going on to a bit of more bad news here, but Red Wings center prospect, Oto Kivamaki, yep. takes a disastrous hit in the Finnish League a few weeks ago. Now, apparently, we're, we won't know his really the prognosis on his recovery for a few more weeks. This is from MLive.com and Sarkhan. But, Alex, you're the leading man with science and hits to the head here. So take me through this. It looked awful. I don't even know what really how else to describe it other than, like, if I don't know if you, if you watched the actual hit itself. Mm-hmm. He gets knocked. I'm not sure if he hits his head on the ice, but... He looks stunned. He was... I think I saw a close-up, and he was bleeding yeah. right away. Man, he looks stunned. Have you ever seen the... Um, I forget who hit him. The Lar, the hit on Lars Eller from a few years ago. It wasn't as bad, but... Like, it was a suicide pass. Like, I think Eller for sure got a concussion, but of course, we now know Lars Eller has still gone on to have a great career at the Washington Capitals, Montreal Canadiens, years before but I remember the the one visual from that hit was the blood. And this hit on this young man, probably R8, that's what's scary. He's 19, I think he's 19 or tw- uh, 20, I'll check. It, it had the blood from that Eller hit. And also, I think even his mom came out and say that, said that his career is in question. He's 19. He was born in 2000. That is... Scared. So the guy who hit him, David, I'm going to try to say his last name, Nemesic. I don't exactly know how to say it. I apologize. Um, of Luko Rauma, that's the team in the in the, in the the Liga, was suspended seven games. <clears throat> there, were six, there were six, at the time of the suspension, there were six more games in the regular season. Okay. And he will miss the opening home game the, sorry the opening game of next season for the team I I don't know what the reputation of the Finnish Elite League is but even without knowing it that's probably not enough it's not that's it was dirty for sure it was bad clear intent to hurt and I mean, he was thrown out right away. By the time we really saw what was happening, he was already out. He, he was gone. He was gone. He was gone. That's bad. But we we do. But say, it's good for the game, right, Adam? It is. Uh, oh, it's good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Normally we rip on the NHL and player safety, but hopefully this is. Oh, I'm not ripping on. I'm not ripping on the NHL right now. Oh, I know. I'm ripping but on certain fans. Hockey and what do you mean certain fan? Why were because well, that because clip of Wendell Clark that came out and everyone's saying, ah, oh, now that's hockey. Well, no, I think about the two of us, right? Like we have from people that I know or people I see on Twitter. I, I I'd say we have a different perspective on hockey than some people and the idea of how hitting should be in the NHL mm-hmm. where a lot, not, I don't want to say a lot of people I've seen people on Twitter talk about, you know, Oh, now the players are soft now and we have, they have to change. Um, how about you look at science for once in your life and realize that's not good for you. And the whole again, the whole point of hockey isn't how many fights you get in, it's it's how many goals you how many goals go in the net, and the team with the most goals at the end of the night wins. And I'm not against fighting, in general. Like I'm gonna show you a picture after, and you're gonna be stunned. I'm just against fighting in the NHL because it's not. I I don't see realistically if okay this is the best example this is i hear this a lot if hockey was started today imagine hockey hasn't existed for the last hundred how many years if hot we started from scratch today would hockey be in would sorry would fighting be in hockey no no not at all it doesn't make sense that's my perspective and i know you didn't you, you weren't ripping at the nhl but at the same time they are they should be the league that sets an example, and they clearly have not done that. You know who's setting an example? The double IHF. Yes. Any sort of, like, even if it's a feather to the head, they instantly go. And there were some questionable <clears throat> suspensions in the double IHF and the World Junior specifically this year, but and a lot of people weren't happy about it, but it's, it's clearly putting players first. Yeah, I don't know why players aren't being put first. Because they, it seems to me the NHL has this thought of if we take, if if we crack down on head hits, that it takes the physicality out of the game. Which That's is, not true at all. That's just not true. I very much disagree. And I know you're not saying this. I just disagree with that. No, yeah. It's, it's, you don't know what's going to happen. Because the NHL has sent this message. This year, and everyone ripping player safety saying they're getting it wrong in that. Well, yes, they are, but this is their way of sending messages how they want the game policed. Yeah, and and they talk about it all the time, or recently a lot, on uh, SDP. Like, this is the message, this is how they want hockey to go. Hockey was going in a certain direction, right? Yes. Hockey was kind of moving towards more skill, more skill, more skill. Just like every other single sport in North America. Every other single sport. Even football. There was a point where they changed the rules partially in football to protect the quarterback from getting literally murdered. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is that they got away with the, the class action lawsuit. I believe it was last year. The big concussion so. one they got away with. And, I mean, you look at, like, the Kachuk Cassian seven, the hits that Kachuk was throwing. One, if not both of those, to some people, should have been suspended. But no. But no. Okay, can we stick on this whole fighting thing for a second? Sure. 
So last night I watched uh, UFC yes. 248. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't even know. It's just incredible. Like, again, I'm not for fighting in the NHL, but this was like, they're signing up for An this. An actual right? combat Like, sport. they're signing up for this. Yes. Okay. So, last night, there was a woman's straw weight, which I think is 115 to 125, something like that. I'm not 100% sure. Sorry. I'm new to this sport, if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. And there was a title fight, uh, Zhang Wei Li for, versus Joanna Jenczykic. I can't even say her last name. She's Polish. So, I'm going to show you this picture. He's absolutely devastating. So, I'm guessing this is so the, the top is So, the top is before, bottom is after. I, so, here here's the situation here. I, I saw the picture of the girl who won. Again, yeah, I'm not a massive UFC guy. Unless it's George St. Pierre, and I'll be like, yeah, let's go, come back. But, what you're showing me is the girl who was the champion... No, Looks. she's still the champ. The one on the left is the champion. Okay. And Zhang Wei Li. Yes. And the she, one on the right is Joanna Jankiewicz. I thought the Polish girl won the match, though. No. So, no, 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 no. Okay. So, in your opinion, or the result, like, did she actually, did the girl retain the title? It was a, for me, listen, I'm I'm new to this sport. Yeah. So, I'm not 100% sure on the scoring in my opinion, I thought it was really close. I think it could have gone either way. I thought uh, Joanna Jenchakich, if I'm saying that correctly, should yeah. have won. Okay. Well, anyway, so the girl, because I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to keep referring. Like, so the, the, the champion looks yeah. pretty roughed up. Yeah. But the challenger looks like a different person. Yes. Yeah. A completely different person. Her forehead is swelled. Yes. All the way. Just sorry, swollen, not swelled. I encourage people to look up like the pictures of before, and you've probably seen it, but this is uh I won't yeah. lie, that does it that makes me not want to watch. But then again, I'm quite <laughs> squeamish. No man, it was it was incredible. I prefer to watch GSP light kick a dude for you know, was, sixty minutes. It was a very good night, like for the most part. The main event was quite boring, but everything else was good. It looks scary. The pictures? Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about scary, though. But you don't realize, just quickly, you don't realize what they look like after. Like, when they're in the middle of the fight, you can kind of see that certain body parts, like, start, look really bruised and swollen. swollen. Mm -hmm. But once they're just standing there in the ring and you just look at them, it looks completely different. So, I I, I, want to sound mean here, but, like, the, the challenger girl, she's quite pretty. Yeah. She is, and she just looks like after <laughs> the thing that, that that the other girl did to her made her look like chew that bubblegum. She yeah. definitely it doesn't look bad. like she deserved to win that fight. No, it was it was an all-out war. It was. It was an all-out war. If, if we're talking about scary yeah. little situations, though, a uh, game between the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Islanders a few days ago... Uh, there's an unfortunate incident where there's a scuffle in front with Johnny Boychuk, Simeon Varlamov, and Arturi Lekkinen. Now, during that, Lekkinen actually gets tripped up over Simeon Varlamov's pads. For those of you who think he was embarrassing, shut up. And as he's going down, his leg goes up, catches Johnny Boychuk into his eye. Now, luckily, it only cut his eyelid, not his eye himself. And Boychuk ended up getting 90 stitches. 90. 
With a zero. That's incredible. Nine zero. First of all, it is his visor saved him for sure, right? Yeah. And I, 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 and the only reason we can somewhat joke about this, I want to read you this tweet from Zach Boychuk. Johnny, sorry, Johnny. Zach is the guy who follows everyone on Twitter. From Johnny Boychuk on Twitter. Thank you to everyone for the positive messages and thoughts. I'm extremely grateful. Please know they did not go unheard. Luckily for me, the skate only cut my eyelid. Sorry for the late response. Facial recognition wasn't working. <laughs> Thanks again, my friends. Johnny B. I love that. First of all, thank God, because that is a... I feel like this year especially, we've seen so many close calls with skates. Especially like Ilya Mikhaev. He's still not back, isn't he? Soon, hopefully. Hopefully. And with the way the game is going speed-wise, this isn't going to... I feel like it's going to happen more and more, which is it. I've said this a lot so far. It's terrifying. It's scary. That's uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's it's scary, man. I think something happened to another player this week, and and the name's not coming to me. Uh, around the wrist too, had to go back to the locker room, but he was back. No, the name's not coming to me right now. I'll think about it. If it comes to me, I'll I'll say it later. Mm-hmm. The by the way, the scariest part was how quickly Johnny Boychuk got off the ice. Yeah. I'm going to not say scary for the rest of this podcast though. I doubt that. I'll make it my mission. I swear, I think this is the last thing of, of somewhat negative news here. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, Will Butcher, is out for the rest of the season with thumb surgery, I believe. Thumb surgery, yes. And a bigger piece of news, Brett Pesci of the Carolina Hurricanes defenseman gets sh- sh- uh, shoulder surgery. That's another defenseman down for them. And in the same breath, uh, Sammy Vatnin has also suffered a setback on his recovery. I don't think he's coming back this year. That's... Thank God they went out and got Brady Shea. Yeah. Now they uh, there's it's a very po- like it's a very real possibility that they're going to lose a spot this year, but they're going down swinging and at least Don Waddell has went out there and made the moves necessary that they can still they're still in the position. Yeah, so I'm just reading. It doesn't say if he's out for the entire year, but it doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. And that's Vatnin? Yeah. You say soon. Playoffs in, are in about a month. Which is, by wow. the way, season. Quick. Which means we're almost done school. That's pretty awesome. I was thinking of going to Japan this summer. Wow. Yeah. Quick side thing there. Oh. Moving on. Leaving though. the podcast. I mean, yeah, that's not going to work because I have to get jaw surgery. Never mind. God damn it. That sucks. I have, I have, a, I have the orthodontist tomorrow, too. Alex, I want to... You mentioned Colin Campbell. Eric Francis tweeted out a little thing here. Eric Francis, who had the best suit in trade deadline, by the way. This is a quote. <clears throat> this I, is from the GM meetings, just to be... Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quote, I called Hurricane GM Don Waddell in the second intermission and said, can't one of those two guys please come back? This was Colin Campbell before explaining why the NHL opt uh. not to crush the e-bug situation at GM meetings. So here's the thing with the quote that there's a there there's I kind I kind of guess there's a mix from NHL fans. We don't have context. 
But it's Colin Campbell yeah, who is a notorious so terrible person. Know, yeah, so we have the background of Colin Campbell. But when you read it out loud, it kind of sounds like, oh, man, he's just joking around. And but this, it's yeah, Colin Campbell. The same guy who told John Scott with the All-Star Game thing. What would your children think? And, of course, the whole when the emails got leaked, Mark Savard, all that kind of stuff. Colin Campbell. But speaking of the NHL GM meetings in Florida, of course, how about the fact that they aren't changing anything about the emergency backup goalie situation? When I'm every, not even surprised. When every GM apparently reports are saying how mad they were that oh. Toronto had one of their own, yes. quote, employees coming in. Here's what it comes down to. <laughs> then they lose and nothing nothing matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Here's what it comes down to. Bunch of sheep. Money. No one wants to spend the money. There's a system. There's a system that can be put in place, right? Like, there's a list of NHL goalies. Uh, not NHL goalies, sorry. There's a list of back, emergency backup goalies. And we know that the Leafs have quite a like few of them at their disposal, right? They, I believe... I heard they had one from each university in the area. So one from York, one from UFT, one from Ryerson. What? One from Ryerson. Okay, no, what'd you say before that? <clears throat> UFT. I'm only hearing the word crap come out your mouth when oh you say that. God. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go, go, Lord. Yeah, go on. Go on. Yeah, go go Rams. Um, so I guess it was kind of just, there was playoff games. One guy had an off night. So you, you kind of had David Ayers. Either way, all those goalies would have got shelled mm-hmm. if the Leafs decided to wake the wake the hell up. Yes. But that didn't happen. So I'm not surprised that they didn't change it because they don't want to spend the money on something like this because it happens so rarely. I think they should have put a system, um, uh, a system in place that would have benefited the teams. Not financially, obviously, because... These things cost money. But there was a system that a lot of people were talking about, kind of having a, a backup goalie um, for each team. And they were taught, and the problem, I guess, that was coming out of that talk is that it's imagine how hard it's going to be to get an emergency backup goalie in Dallas or in Arizona or in Florida. Right, like places where hockey really isn't that popular. You know what I'm in favor for? What having one skater who has the little badge. You know how you have you used to have hallway monitors in school. Okay. Designated emergency backup goalie. Marty Marincin goes in. Okay, I can tell you right now that's never gonna. Would it not be awesome though? Well, they do it in soccer, right? If they if both so let's say a goalie get both goalies get injured, right? Because generally you have a a goalie as one of your substitutes, they put a player in that. Well, of course, that's a bit. Soccer is a Soccer much different Soccer is a little sport. bit different. I know, of course. I'm just... But yeah, but yeah, they have, they have a system. In baseball, if you run out of pitchers, you put a position player in. And again, baseball is a little bit different than, than hockey, but... I hope everyone in baseball can throw a ball really hard. <laughs> yeah. When in hockey... You have to go into the position. Yeah. You know, I know I'm going to contradict my own point here. It's because I love chaos, like Jeff Merrick. But I, I, but then again, you have to go into the mode of goalie, who, as we've talked about before, has to train their body to go and move towards an object being shot at you about 100 miles per hour, <laughs> depending yeah, on who's I mean, taking the shot. It, it's, 
it's different. It's a difficult situation to put players in. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, it happened before, but that's when they were smoking a pack during an entire game and drinking beer after games. That I don't think that happens much very often now. No, not at all. So it's a little bit more competitive and a little bit different. But I'm not really surprised that nothing happened. Last note in GM meetings. So this year, I believe the salary cap for this season was $81.5 million. That is correct. The projections for next year have come out, and it is between $84 million yeah. and $88.2. So it's going to be 84 Yeah, it's so it's not going to jump up to $88 million. Let's just be honest here, people. I mean, okay, so obviously there's a couple of things that come into play with the salary cap. Oh, hey, and, coronavirus. And, and yeah, that that I mean, listen, it could if things get bad, if things get to a point where it is bad, it might not even hit eighty four. The Sharks are so close to not having people in their arena, so close. They're the team right now, and that that is a that is a team, a franchise that depends so much on their earnings at the gate, and that. We've heard about the one year they made they didn't make the playoffs. I think that was 14, yes. 15, or 15, 16, and what they did to that business. That's a team that they're all they're already not going to have their normal playoff revenue. But and the NHL for teams, unlike the big three, aka you know New York, Montreal, Toronto, then include you bring the Blackhawks, the Bruins. Yeah. There are so many teams in the league that rely on that gate. Like the the, the hurricanes well, I think, last year. I think most I think most teams are heavily reliant on on um, merchandise more than gate. That would my opinion. You, I think there's a lot of teams that are more reliant on merchandise than they are on gate. But again, I don't have the numbers on that. It's still a big amount though. Like I think For sure. the hurricanes, if you took all of their gate last year. I think most of it goes towards the Ajo's signing bonus. Luckily, you have a rich owner, but like to put into perspective here how important that money is. And again, most NHL teams, for those of you who don't know, they don't make money, actually. actually I can pull that up for you right now. There's a, quite a list of teams. I, we were talking about that in class one day. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. There's, I think there's about five NHL teams who don't make money. And that's more than any other North American sport. Probably what? The Panthers? I'm going to guess off the top of my head because A, they just had to cut $10 million. But anyway, while you're just looking up that stuff. But yeah, no, the, the salary cap, I think if it went up to 85 that would be the absolute best case scenario. But I don't get what the league or... And of course, we have the 5% inflator that the that's, NHLPA... That's, but that's, that's the thing. That's, that's why the salary cap projections are like that. They give you a range because they kind of want to pressure the... the uh, this is my guess. I'm not... Like, it kind of says, okay, hey, here's the minimum. Throw that inflator and we'll kick some extra money in there. Now, it would be amazing if it did go up to 88. I'd love that. It would be it'd be The Leafs nice. could go get Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. No, he's saying in St. Louis, people. Like, let's, yeah. be, let's be honest Yes, here. yes, yes. But, yeah, you see, the guys, Arbon Bossu and Marc-Antoine Godin of the Athletic Montreal, Montreal, sorry. Made a really good point that this is actually when the cap goes up, and if it goes up a bit more than normal, let's say you kick, you get the five percent kicking. That actually sucks for the Habs 
because all of a sudden the weapon of their cap space actually goes down because all of a sudden all of this room opens up for other teams. Which I thought was a very, very good point. And they talk about how this year could really point out how Mark Bergeron has failed to use his cap, which we all knew. The only sensible deal he made was Yoel Armia, but... There's seven teams who have an operating income below zero. And that operating income is essentially your earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. May I guess them? Go ahead. Arizona. Correct. Florida. Correct. Um, Florida. I'm going to say Carolina. No. They don't? Okay. Who else? Who else? I'm trying to think of bottom feeders. The Devils? No. So I have four of them. Okay. You have, no, you guessed two. Oh, no, so you're saying they, they are. Okay, no, just give them to me then. So Arizona, okay, so you said Florida. Arizona, Florida. Those are the bottom two teams. Okay. Columbus. Yeah, that's a fair one. Nashville. Really? Yeah. Okay. Winnipeg. Yeah. The Islanders. I was thinking of saying that, yeah. The Ducks. The Ducks and the Devils, I believe, are also two internal cap teams. No, not that. None so. of those are. No, Nashville's the only surprise there. Maybe I still have 2017 on the mind there, but I thought they would make money. Yeah, there's only three teams in the NHL who have an operating income above $100 million. And I guarantee you, you can just list off those teams. Rangers, no. Habs, Leafs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that the Bruins and Blackhawks are behind them, but not far. Uh, Yeah, not far behind. J- literally the two spots before. Who's sixth? The Los Angeles Kings. Really? Yeah. That, wow. The... Thank you, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, remember that discussion we had? Yeah, we, we were talking now over text about how Wayne Gretzky... Changed the game in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. One of the best oiler... No, the best oiler of, oiler of all time. Maybe you can say McDavid second. No. Maybe yeah, with yeah. Messier. Yes. But I think McDavid second. Mm-hmm. You think he's better than the Moose? Because McDavid probably likes fun. Unlike Messier, who won't put a cookie over his head at the Stanley Cup. Oh, <laughs> come on. Don't throw a shade like that. Why? Mark Messi is never going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> hey, you never know. I don't want... He's banned from the show. Stop. No, he's not. No one's banned from the show. Anyway. Yet. Leon Dreisaitl leads the league. If we want to talk about great Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl leads the NHL right now. 69 games played. Nice. 110 points. Good Beats Lord. his career high already of Good 105 last Lord. year. Lord. I think... That, that's it, really. That's all I want to say. 110 points in 69 games played. What else is there to say, Adam? Well, there is a better player. No, there's not yes, right there now. Is. I know we can talk all of this about Leon Dreisaitl, but what about Nathan McKinnon? I want to read okay. you some stuff here. But you, the, here's the thing with the... And I know what discussion you want to get down, but it's not between Leon and, and Nathan. It's between Nathan and Connor. And we're talking about for the Hart Trophy. No, we're talking about best players in the game. Hart, I think you... Uh, Hart... Hold on a minute. Um, Sidney Crosby, sir. Sidney yeah, Crosby. Yeah, for sure, but you're asking... You're, yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course. But we were talking about Nathan versus Connor. That's that text, that discussion we had over text. Yes. And you're arguing that Nathan McKinnon was better... 
than... I think Nathan McKinnon's the better player between him and Drysaddle. I really do. Yeah, I'm not talking about Drysaddle. Stop changing the goalpost. It's Connor McDavid. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm saying Connor McDavid. Oh, yeah. So if, if we're... Okay, if we're going to play the game of the best players in the league, it's McDavid, yes. Crosby... M- McKinnon. Yeah. So, oh, no, we're agreeing that McKinnon is third. Is yes. that what we're... Okay, good. Now, yes. can I explain to you why I think he should win the Hart Trophy? Yeah, go ahead. I said he should win the Hart Trophy too, but I know he's not going to win it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to give you a bit of a prognosis on Nathan McKinnon's year so far. Because, Alex, anytime the Avalanche are playing, I'm texting you about Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, Because he is so freaking good. Nathan McKinnon is so good. So, second in Avalanche scoring is Kale McCarr with 47 points. He's not a forward. And he's a defenseman. Who's the closest forward? Alex. Is it Andre Burkowski? I, I didn't look. I only looked at second at points. You're you're killing Are iceberg. I will check kidding? that. How it's relevant. Colorado. Don't throw iceberg at me. It's not my fault you didn't check. Colorado. I believe it's Andre Burkowski. Point leaders. Uh, and you, he has. Du- I'm pretty sure Nathan McKinnon has almost double the points. It's Andre Burakovsky who has 45 points. So he has the same amount of points. So yeah, he has double the points of Andre Burakovsky. Yes, you are right. But anyway, the second... So top. these are the top five guys when it comes to scoring on Colorado. Landis Cog is 39 points in 51 games played. Wow, he's only like 26, eh? Landis Cog feels like he's been around forever. He's 26. No way. Sorry, he's 27. He's only 27 years old. That's a whole different age group right there. But doesn't he feel like he's been around forever? Yeah. Because he was was there when the team was absolute. Sorry, Milan Hedrick. I know you probably deserve the C. But we just drafted this this Swedish kid. And it's like his rookie year or his second year. We're going to give it to him. But then we're back to Nathan McKinnon, the guy who matters here. So, I just gave you the numbers, but when it comes to overall scoring in the team, Kale McCarr, 47 points. McKinnon in 67 games played has 90 points. Yes. 30 power play points. 11 power play no, goals. power play points and goals aren't real. Only 12 penalty minutes. Four game-winning goals, two overtimes in there as well. He should be the heart front runner. And my reasoning... Is this question that I'm going to pose to you people. Alex as well. Even though you agree with me. Where would the Colorado Avalanche be without Nathan McKinnon this season? And the reason I say this season is because they have had injury troubles. And by the way, McKinnon has not missed a game because he is that awesome. Well, no. It's just he's not injured. And that's a skill. That's so questionable. That's very questionable that not being injured is a skill, but um repeat the question. You distracted me with your comment. Why Nathan McKinnon should be the MVP? Is that your question? You asked me that question as I took a bite of pizza. Well, you distracted me with your comment. You saw me eat it. You no, saw I me didn't. take the bite. I, I was looking at my phone. You Sorry. looked at me as I was chewing it. Yeah, but I realized that after. So what's the question? Where would the Colorado Avalanche be this season without Nathan McKinnon? 
probably in the playoff spot because the Central is is very good, but I think they're still a good team without Nathan McKinnon. You're asking me a, a hypothetical question that when you know they have injury troubles, okay, if they, if they still had Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Ren, and Nazem Kadri, it's, it doesn't make sense. You can't ask me a question like that because there's so many injuries on that team. But McKinnon hasn't been. He's the one guy. But that's He's not the, the hypothetical question you're asking me. Okay, where would the Colorado Avalanche be with all their players healthy? First in the division. I think they're at Steelers. They're only like two points behind the Blues, too. So they're... Um, I'm just... I just want... Listen, here's the way I look at this. Are you trying to change my opinion? Because I'm already on your side. I'll just oh, I go, know. I'll go... So I'll just go right to Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. I don't have an issue. How many games can you check has Connor McDavid played? Because McD- yeah, Dreisaitl has played 69. Yeah. 110 points so far. He has played... 63. And how many points in those games? 96. Yeah, that's fair. And Drysaddle has actually played significant parts of the year on his own line. Kylo Yamamoto, I'm sure, was a big part of that. Alex, you want to hear about Santiago McTaggart? Yeah, explain to people who that is because they probably don't know. So I was playing NHL over the weekend. And I was playing as the I was the GM of the Minnesota Wild, right? And then I got mad because I think we lost in like the first round to the Stars because it happened all the time. And I think I sent you my lineup, and I had a sixth defenseman, and his name was Santiago McTaggart. That was by far the best name I've heard. Mm-hmm. Best Never name. put up more than twenty points. He was just a solid, reliable sixth defenseman. Yeah, sometimes you need those. Hmm. Does he uh, focus on the details? I think he does. I don't think he was ever a minus. Hey, you win games. Yeah. That's how you win games. They won the Stanley Cup, my Minnesota Wild did. They did. Took a five-year rebuild. Three losses to the Stars in uh, three three losses to the Stars in four years. Oh, man. But then they swept. uh, I I have my book where I keep notes of my NHL playthroughs because I'm that big of a nerd. And, um, yeah, I think they, they swept... Who did I play in the... Hold on, Alex. Let me just get my little book uh, of knowledge out Was it here. the Sabres? It was, no, you played the Sabres in year one. So oh. in year 10... No, sorry, year 11. Excuse me a minute, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it was an 11-year rebuild? No, no. It took five years, and we got in the playoffs in year six. We swept the New Jersey Devils in, in the cup final. Because they're a bunch of losers. Not as big as losers as the Vancouver Canucks, but... Even though they beat Colorado the other day, I was really upset about it. But they've just been on a scale without J- uh, Jacob Markstrom. But hey. Hell of a name. Oh, yeah. McTaggart? If only he was from the WHL. <laughs> Where was he from? Uh, he was from the Q. I oh, think he okay. played for Victoria. Though. That's boring. Yeah, put up like 100 points as a defenseman. Never grew more than 81. The bastard. Good lord. Yeah, he came straight from junior to the NHL. Good for him. Yeah. You know what's not good, though? Oh, Senators. So I want to read you a timeline here. Are we just doing that now? Yeah. Okay. January 10th, the Sens hire Jim Little. Okay. As CEO. March 6th, he's fired. 
And um, in, so close. In, in, a, in a statement, yeah. So close. What was it? Fifty? What's that? Fifty-four days or something like that? No, it's around 56, there. Fifty-six days. This is the quote that stands out from the Ottawa Senator's statement about his uh, his release. The decision, quote, the decision was made as a result of contact inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators and the National Hockey League. Now, the reason this is such a big deal is beside the fact that the Ottawa Senators are a joke of a team, of a franchise. They've been really good this year, but... So apparently, as you know, before I go into that, Alex, I want to ask you something. When you hear... As a result of inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators in the NHL, what do you think with everything that's happened Something around the bad. NHL this year? Something bad, but we were assured it wasn't bad by Gary Bettman. Yeah, and at the GM meetings, Gary Bettman just came out and said, it's not what you think. And Mr. Little responded, basically saying, listen, I'm going to paraphrase here. Me and Eugene got into a bit of a scuffle here. It's a bit of a disagreement. I'm going to try and get the tweet up here. Yeah, no, I saw it. So the the thing with this story is that things are still coming out. So yesterday, the National Post put out a story that tied the firing to ex-wife's allegations. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a minute. Wait, what? Yeah. Ex-wife allegations? What, like about Eugene's? No, about Jim Little. About CEOs firing tied to ex-wife's allegations and there was a and there was some things there i don't know exactly listen that's what that's what the thing is and i don't think we're ever gonna actually know i don't think um obviously jim little has told us what he thinks the reason is i don't think um eugene melnick is going to come out and say what the actual reason was i just don't think that's going to happen if this, if what this article is saying is the case, then just from Elliot Freeman from Headlines last night, Jim Little said to Eugene Melnick on the call that apparently got him fired. This is the best thing I've ever heard. Quote: The best thing that could happen to the Ottawa Senators is if you disappeared for twelve months. Right. That's Jim Little sends former CEO to their owner, a notorious meddler, Eugene Melnick. So this is what the National Post article says. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to read a blurb of it. Um, After the argument and during an investigation into Little's behavior, the team discovered that Little's former spouse published online accounts alleging abusive behavior during her marriage. Um, The National Post has learned... While there were signs of insecurity and controlling tendencies early in our relationship, I told myself the good far outweighed the bad, Laura Smith wrote in in an article published August 28, 2019. And then the next part is kind of just describing, it was just uh, quotes from that, from that blog post. So a a team spokesman said there was a direct link between the Valentine's Day argument with Melnick and, inv- and with Melnick, an investigation into Little, it sparked Smith's allegations and his dismissal. Uh, this is Dan Gagné, who is the spokesman for the Senators. 
Uh, the Ottawa Senators can confirm knowledge of the blog post, which was discovered following Mr. Little's February 14th outburst and as a result of an ensuing investigation into his behavior leading up to his dismissal. It was one of the issues that gave the organization grave concern. It still makes the Sens look terrible. Not really. If I, I, um, I understand, I understand from a certain perspective, it, it makes them look terrible because they didn't do their due diligence beforehand. When two and, months and, and before the Don Cherry thing happened. Two months after. They hired him in January. When Don Cherry they, happened in November. So two months after. Didn't I say after? You said before. Before. No, no. Yeah. This is a, this two months before they hired Jim Little, Don Cherry. Oh, happened. sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, you're saying it, it does, but in another breath. It, it, it does, but then this kind of makes sense. Like, the firing looks reasonable now because we have this information. Whereas before, all we were told is that there was a dispute and he swore at Eugene Melnick, which doesn't look good at all. But it still looks bad because they didn't do their due diligence like this before. And I can imagine now... but. At the same time, I don't think many teams were doing their due diligence at that time anyways, even after the Don Cherry thing. I don't think it really started to become an issue until all the firings happened. Everything was kind of out in the open. Everything. What exactly was Bill Peter? It was in January, but it was it was like late January, wasn't it? I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. But this makes the firing make more sense. Yeah. Right? They and you know, it they have to do their due diligence next time and and can I just say it it must be and I know we're we're talking about Eugene Melnick, but it's difficult. I, I have respect for Pierre Dorian a little more respect for Pierre Dorian. And especially Brian Murray too. The late great Brimer of how he was able to manage that. That's the what they need. They need someone, and, and I feel like I've talked about this before. We probably had this discussion on the podcast. Is that's what they need? They need a because I, uh, Brian Burke was talking about it on Hockey Central this week. I, I guess it was on Friday. The CEO is kind of in charge of business, business things when it's run when it's in this scenario. Yeah. That's my understanding. I think they might need an actual president to president of hockey operations to just control Eugene Melnick. In general, and and to be honest, it's been a very quiet year for the Ottawa Senators. Which is a, a, such a good thing. The Bobby Ryan story, GJ Smith is working his magic. The standings weren't reflecting it, but they were... It was a great rebuilding year. You know, they had a great deadline. It was a fun team to watch, even though they were losing. Yeah. You said it last week yourself, that normally you don't watch more of the bottom feeder teams, but the Sens are a team that you would watch if they were out. You know, you tune into the Sens game. Yeah, they won last night versus the uh, the Sharks, which is very good. They're helping the Sharks pick there, in a exactly. way. Exactly. By the way, the Peter stuff did happen in November as well. It happened just towards the end of it, so it it, it does, and that that again is something on Eugene Melnick. 
it's something on Eugene Melnick, but there's the good and the bad when it comes out when they're with this situation coming out for, for the Ottawa Senators. Yes, they should have done their due diligence, but they could have just kept them. That is true. And then it comes out, and then it's all, and then yeah, then it's a bigger tire fire. But are they gonna? I wonder because it I, it makes sense why it wasn't reported on headlines about this because that's a very serious sort of allegation thing. And instead, it seems that Freeman went the route of talking about the line that about it would be good for the sense if he left. So I wonder if they would if there was two different things, and maybe if Eugene had the thought that he was gonna fire him, and then maybe him saying, "Hey, Eugene, you're a meddling piece of bleep, get out of here." So the thing is, is the the that conversation led to the investigation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. So my guess is, I don't think we know the full extent of this conversation. I think some, because just because he said you need to kind of take a step back for 12 months. I don't know if that's something that pushes Eugene to go through an investigation. I think there must have been more to this conversation than what we're being told. Then what do you think Gary meant when he said it's not what you think? Because if it was this thing with his ex-wife, then that very much screams to me that that is against the, the core values of the league and the team. Or maybe just I think Gary meant not it's know. Not, I, that's a possibility. I think he meant it's not player related. Not Bill sta- Peters. It's not staff related. Mm-hmm. Or hockey staff quote. You know, a GM, a coach, right. something like that. That's maybe that's the route he was going. Knowing Gary, it probably is because he likes to keep himself not keep himself backed away, but he's a lawyer. Yes. That's all I'm gonna say. Trade deadline players. Who do you not think of all the big acquisitions? Who has stood out for you? Uh, I'm not too sure. Who no one really has. No it, one really has. You know, I, I would have kind of put uh, the the Oilers players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike Green's injured. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu had a good first game and kind of steadied himself. Not well, Sam. I would have said Sam Vatnin. Sam Vatnin's injured. It's John Gabriel Pajot. Is he even doing much? Well, I mean, he got into a fight his first game. That's the Islanders lost enough. to the Sens too, didn't they? In his return yeah. game. Yeah. Also, I was gonna give it to this guy. The problem is, incidentally, he's he's only played two games. In that game, he's two and zero with nine six seven save percentage. Robin Leonard. Yeah, that's that's not a bad pick. I really wish more guys had done... You know, that's when you wish Chris Kreider got dealt and maybe he'd go and put up some great numbers. You want to know a fun fact, though? Tell me. Which Sorry, which player has as many even-strength assists as Connor McDavid in the Atlantic Division? Is it a Montreal player? I cannot read. It is. Is it Nick Suzuki? It's Phil Donnell. Oh. Good for him. Congratulations. I love me some Phil. That's the point where Montreal's season is at. Nice. Which is, how, how about we talk about the Habs while we're here, and we talk about probably the worst tweet that has ever come out of hockey Twitter. Can I read it? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. This is from Jack Todd. 
Do you know who Jack Todd is? Because apparently no, this is... okay. I have no idea who the man... I think I've seen him pop up here and there, but I've never paid him any mind. Can I read it and then give my take on it? Yeah, man, sure. Thank you. The Canadians have almost caught Florida. Give them the eight points they dropped to Detroit, and they're ahead of the Leafs, third in the division. Add four more... <laughs> Add four more. They lost to the Devils, and they're rock solid. So the problem is not the talent. Has this guy watched a single game? It's... How, how do I put this, Alex? <laughs> I was insulted oh, as a Habs fan. Oh, my God. First of all... Wow. I, yeah. You get points in games you win and you don't when you lose. So if you had just... As everyone has been joking, if you had won, yeah, you get the points. If you had just won the games you lost, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's, yeah, I, that's... Nice observation. Yeah. Just Way great, to go, champ. Good job. Great observation skills. <laughs> so dumb. It's probably one of the worst tweets I've... I've hey there, I've buddy. Had. You can't beat Detroit. You did. But it's not the talent. You lost four games to the worst team, one of the worst teams this era. But talent isn't an issue. And then they they, I love how he says they're this many points back at the Panthers. By the way, the Habs lost 4-1 to the Panthers last night. If 12, we're talking about 12 points. That's six games. Are are we going to bring up if they had won half of the games in their eight-game winless streak? Oh. Yeah, I for, we forgot about that. Alex, that's 16 points for each of them. If That's 32 points. Here, I'll they give have you, 100 I'll then. Give, I'll give you a better one. I'll give you a better one. They're ahead of the Bruins then. If the Leafs actually put a puck on net against David Ayers, they would have scored more goals. If you had just put the puck in the net. Oh, oh, but they didn't. But they didn't. What a sausage Jack Todd is. <laughs> This is, I read it. So I saw it on uh, Instagram first. And then you sent it to me on Twitter. I'm like, what is this? What is this? If if Austin Matthews had four more goals, he'd be in the lead for the Rocket Richard. But he didn't score four more goals. If but that's the Capitals nice. had beaten the Penguins, they wouldn't have as many second-round exits. Right. Right. If Zach if. Cassian had just not kicked a dude, he wouldn't have been suspended. Yeah. Like, shut up. You know what they say about ifs and buts? Then the Buffalo Sabres would have won the 1999 Stanley Cup. <laughs> if ifs and buts were Canadian nuts. People would have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't care. Is he supposed to make Habs fans feel better? I don't think... You know what the issue is here? Is I don't think it makes Habs fans feel any better. No, it didn't. Because, because <laughs> it made me feel like we're crap. talking... It's not like, you know, if they beat Tampa Bay or if they beat this team. We're talking about the Detroit Red Wings who are arguably having one of the worst seasons in the modern era and the New Jersey Devils. Two of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. My heart. 
is it you, you, you look at a dude and you're like all right okay i've seen some takes like you know Mark Dumont talking about, you know, the, the advanced underlying numbers of the Dano line. You're fantastic. And here I am joking about Phil Dano's assist line and Brendan Gallagher's five on five play. Isn't this and guy a Canadians fan? Oh, I think he is for sure. How can you are how can you come out and say this? Oh, if Mike Babcock won more games, the Leafs wouldn't have fired him and they'd be in the playoffs. But he didn't win more games with the Leafs. How can you imagine a, a Leafs fan came out and said that? Oh no, shades of oh my god! Hey, I'm just looking through his Twitter. I'm not seeing anything too crazy quite yet. You know, except like, that one tweet, yeah. and that's crazy enough for a, any Twitter account. Here he is. He's not. He's not. You know, he's not a Trump supporter by the look of it either. So that's nice. Here he is. He's talking. He said, the f- "I had a tweet saying Fox News is the death of democracy." But hey, I um, I Jack Todd, ladies and gentlemen, tweet of uh, probably the worst tweet of the year. By the way, best wishes to Yesperi Kotkinemi who had to go to the hospital after a Laval game. I believe it was some his sort spleen? of injury with his spleen, yes, which sounds. Yes. He was he was doing so well. He's point per game in the AHL. And all I saw was uh, Mark Bergevin said he will be okay, but he will be out for a while, which is... Uh, I, I would know. just not play him the rest of the season. Yeah, If I'm Laval, I say, you know what? He's ha- He had his sophomore slump. Bring him back for... Tra- Obviously, he's going to be back for, I'd assume, for training camp. Probably going to make the NHL. Yeah. Another uh, summer, he got you know got us. He he, he barely was looking really good. Let's bulk this man up. He's got to be a beast. Yeah. By the way, idiots, stop saying he's a bust. I, he's twenty. I think people are just trying to piss you off. Kyler Yamamoto yeah. is the perfect example of what a stint in the AHL can do for you. It's not a death sentence, people. And playing with like actual NHL players instead of yeah, but get Jordan was... Wheel off his line. God, I was. <laughs> Jordan Lee was on the power play. Again no, last but night. but but when he when he was playing in the NHL, who was Jesperi Karkaniemi playing with? Jordan up until he finally got hurt, like yeah. of the few days before that, he was then playing with. I think at some point it was Suzuki and Palin, but for most of the year, his line mates were at the time a snake bitten Charles Houdon, okay. who can only score in the freaking AHL, and Jordan Wheel. Those were his line. He didn't have good line mates for a lot of the year. Also, apparently, and this is something that is gonna kill me because we we both agree that Ryan Paling is probably gonna be a third line center in this league bottom six player yes apparently Arpon Bossu and Marc-Antoine Godin said that remember when the Canadians were in on Ryan O'Reilly honestly no well there was a time where they were and apparently there was almost a package dealt where the centerpiece was going to be Ryan Paling and knowing that makes me want to curl up into a ball, shrivel up and die. But there is one piece of good news that's uh, that's come out. Oh, tell me. So, uh, Cole Caulfield's season is done. He's not hurt, but Wisconsin have not been a good team this year, even though he's had a fantastic one. And apparently next week we'll know what his future is, whether he'll stay in school for another year. Of course, Mark Bergeron has said that he would he thinks that he needs another year. But if Cole Caulfield is very adamant about leaving school, then he will most likely go to the Rocket. And if he does, 
I believe April 6th or 7th, it's a Thursday. Okay. The Laval Rocket are in Toronto. So what you're saying is... If we because that's the last week before exams, so sometimes they're at classes, sometimes there's not. Is it a Tuesday or th- what? It's day is Thursday, it? so I think. Thursday, so, so it's at eleven a.m. Yes, oh, I got a class. Which we class have is a class. We're in the same Thursday class, Adam. Yes, but then there's with something. Our good friends. And I have a class after, but it just oh. because sometimes those last week classes don't happen. Okay, we'll see what ha- if it's important. Then we have to go. If it's not important, we'll go to the AHL game. Yes, and it. it and I will get a Cole Caulfield jersey if he goes. But hopefully, are you going to get a Cole Caulfield AHL jersey? Yes. Or a Cole Caulfield yes. uh, Montreal. jersey? I'll get an AHL one. I have a Laval Rocket hat that I haven't been able to find. It was really nice, but I mean, I don't want to talk about the Habs games because they're boring. They're no, not a good can team. Can we talk about one thing that that kind of came out of Montreal this week? They're losers. Yeah. No. no sorry. No, yeah. No. no, no, no. What What's come out? Um, what did I miss? I believe it was this week, or we might have already talked about it. Mark Bergevin announced Claude Julien. Did we talk about this? Oh, we did it, no. That Claude Julien will be returning next year for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Good or bad? Good. I like him. He's a good coach. I saw saw people saying maybe he's not the right coach for this team. Not necessarily he's a bad coach. He's just not the right coach for this team. I think... He is. People seem to think he hates young players. Jake Evans is playing on the penalty kill, by the way. In that that 4-1 loss, Evans had a beautiful goal. But no, and he he plays Suzuki on like the second line. Right. He is a good coach, and I think he is right for this team. And it's good to know that Bergeron didn't make the mistake of... You know who shouldn't be on this team next year? I'm not okay. Mark Bergeron. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know. But that's okay. He's not going to mortgage the future. Okay, question for you. Last last question. Yeah. Mark Bird, we all talked about, you know, Elliot Freeman brought this up, that he thinks that Montreal makes a big move uh, on the draft floor since the draft is in Montreal. I'm going to it. You're going to it. Is that big move moving up in the second round? Frig off. Just asking. See, it's really interesting that you... Because I was going to try and mention that there has never been a summer where Mark Bergevin has had more assets, more picks okay. than this one, and it's in Montreal. And instead of moving down, moving up, if if I honestly think this dra- this offseason has the potential to be the most disappointing one in Habs history. And I'm not exaggerating. I believe you. And I think it's going to be disappointing. I'd be amazed if he doesn't do something. But at the same time... What's he going to do? I don't know. Here's the issue, and I'm bringing it back to this again. You need to decide what you are doing with this team. Oh, man, man. We don't need to have this discussion. We know what Bergevin's doing. He's rebuilding on the fly with Weber and thing. I don't want to have the same damn discussion. They should have rebuilt, but the course this team is going on. Okay, so he's going to bring in an NHL body. He's going to try and bring in a scorer from all and accounts. And that's going to do nothing. No, it won't. It's going to do nothing. They don't have a score. If you're seeing Montreal's biggest problem this year is they didn't have someone to finish on the power play. So next year you're going to go into, uh, go into the 2021 season yes. with a left side of... Uh, uh, Romanov, 
if he comes this year, which will probably he probably will, yes. and he's probably going to play bottom pairing minutes because it's it's North American ice. It's yes, new. yeah. Brett Kulak, Ben Sherratt, and Victor Mete. That's your left side. You're telling me there's no issues there. And Marco Scandella is probably going back. Is apparently the word. And Marco Scandella. That doesn't make it. Any, that doesn't change anything. That's still an issue. You have a point. I do. Now, first of all, usually I do. The big problem is you're betting on Victor Mete taking a step. Yes, and I, I have. I have. I think I've started to go a bit sour on him just because he hasn't played the full season in so his career. What happens if he doesn't take a step? Now you're screwed. Even now you're in a worse position. Because see, I see the fact that they can't score. That they can't get that easy goal. I see it more of an issue than the left side. Because okay. if you can get that damn right-handed guy who can score, then your power play is better. And getting like having an easy goal, being able to get another 30 on your season, I think is a bigger concern. Question. When you when the injury started piling up at the on the forward with the forwards, what was the issue? They couldn't score anymore. But they could not. When Carey Price was not playing well, what was the issue? They could not defend. That has been the issue since game one of, of this year. Even before the injuries, we had this. You were telling me that this team could not defend, right? Yes. So, your your left side. Okay, sure. You yes, you have Shea Weber and you have Jeff Petrie on your right side. You're going to get murdered on the right side because you're they're going to trap you that's what they did with the Leafs they said you know what every time the rights the the left side has the puck go right after him mm-hmm. because then they can't break out the puck Ben Sherratt is a what what pairing defend top four yeah he's, he'll be top four I'll repeat your whatever no, no 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 not where he's going to be what type of player is he he's probably a he probably is a fourth fifth okay Be- Brett Kulak is a Sixth, Victor Mete is going to be a. If at best he's a fourth, third or fourth probably. Okay, and and uh, be, um, what's the name I'm missing? Marco Scandella is, is a, a fifth, sixth. Okay. Yes. See the issue. That is true. If you can't defend, it doesn't matter how much you can score. And I'm telling you this from experience. I watched my team night after night after night with no defense get killed in their own zone. It's not that you don't have the pieces there to build a, a, an offense, right? You have the prospects sitting there who, okay, maybe they're not ready right now. But how about let's fix the defense? Yes. So doesn't it make more sense that he fixes the defense before he brings in a scorer? What I'm realizing here is is they're both massive issues. Yeah, but you have you right now you have you have solutions who are working their way to the NHL. Yeah, but they're the, the reinforcements the Habs could gather more to do with their defensive depth come next year. Uh, a name we're forgetting, but he probably will be a bottom pairing as Jordan Harris. But whatever, the Habs depth at forward right now 
the moment Jonathan Drew went down, look what happened, right? They don't have the depth at forward. And even if they don't, they're at defense, it's yeah. better, but it's still not perfect. The way I look at it is, is just how such a great five on five scoring team they were when healthy. Okay. And just how that completely fell off a cliff and how many one game, uh, one goal game they lost. Sorry, how many one-game goals... You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, how many of those games they lost that I'm just more attuned to go get a damn forward because I see that they're going to have better depth of defense next year when at forward, I just don't see it. I don't. The two of them are massive problems, but I have a question. Yeah. Are you more interested in rebuilding or are you more interested in retooling on the fly? Oh, I again. I if it was me, I would have started the rebuild already. No, but you can still do this in a weird way. That you, do, I mean, you should trade Thomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie. Yes. I really think you should. You should have done it, but that's fine. He's probably still not going to do it even next year. So now we're building around Thomas Tatar, Jeff Petrie, uh, Shea Weber, Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Those are your four big, big boys. Plus Drew and. Uh, Yemi Suzuki. Gallagher. Gallagher. Would it not make more sense to draft? Say, okay, you have your own first round pick. You want to trade a couple. You can. I bet you can trade a couple seconds to move up into the first round. Yes. The late, late, late first round. 30th or 31st if they have, if the teams have those respective picks. Would it not make more sense to work your magic in the on the draft floor with the draft picks you have, rather than bringing in a player? You can go out and sign a depth forward. You don't need to bring. I'm sorry, it doesn't make sense for the team to bring in a big name scorer right now. It makes sense for Mark Bergman to go out on the open market and bring in a depth forward. No, it doesn't have to be a depth forward. It can be a bottom six player. Who maybe ha- can play in your top six if need be? Do you remember how a few episodes ago, I think it was at the trade deadline, you said you liked how Mark Bergevin was starting to make picks for the next round because the next issue of scoring. The Habs are already starting to run in that problem. They have, I think it's three, it's like Samuel Oud, Jordan Harris, Cole Fonsat, and another guy. Yeah. And it looks like they can only sign one of them. So the only problem there is they're already starting to run into the issue of having too many prospects. Okay, so you're going to bring in established NHL players on a team that's rebuilding. Yeah, Alex, I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm I'm trying to just see... I'm looking at where, where Mark Bergevin thinks this team is in his plan and saying what the best case scenario... It's, it's putting duct tape over... Sorry, it's putting a bandage on a leaky pipe. Okay, by, so right now they have 45 standard player contracts. Mm-hmm. That's right now. We're going to go through the UFAs, and you're going to tell me who they're not going to re-sign. Keith Kincaid. He's gone. Gone. He's in the East side. Gustav Olofsson, 25 UFA, Group 6. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him around for the AHL. Uh, Alex Belzeal. Belzeal, he'll probably be brought back. AHL. Laurent Dauphin. He's been good, but yeah, he's. If, I would be surprised probably if he gone. back. Probably yeah, gone. It's either or with him. Christian Folan. He's probably gone. Dale Weiss. He's probably gone. Okay, so we listed four names there? Yes. Okay, so that's four less four less roster spots. Mm-hmm. Now, who you have to break, sign on your reserve list? Let's see. Uh, Cole Fonstad. Yes. Arvid Henriksen. Cameron Hills. Yes. Samuel H- Hills. Hood. Hood, yeah. Hood. Uh, Alan McShane. Yes. 
Okay, so how many of those are you signing? Uh, Mark Bergevin said apparently the plan is to bring one of them in. Because apparently, because you, know, you never want to hit the 50 mark spot. You have to bring in Romanov. Yeah. And who, so if you add, so let's say you take away those spots, you add Romanov, and you add in Hillis. Okay, so we just said, we said we have 45 right now. Yes. And we took away four. Okay, so you're at 41. So we're at 41. So you're adding Romanov. Mm-hmm. You're adding, do you want to add, do you think Caulfield's coming this year? Let's or say you, Caulfield just for the AHL. But and he's going to sign his entry-level contract, so that should count, yes. technically. So now we're at 43. Um, then they have to bring in, let's say, Cam Hillis for sure, 44. Then they would go to 45 because they have a finished prospect. He's actually Yoni former second. Ikonen? No, no, not Ikonen. Um Yessi Yolanin. He's currently ah, yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. So they got to bring in Yolanin as well. Okay. So that's 46? Yes. Okay. So then that's okay. So you keep four spots. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. If you want to sign, okay, you're not signing all three, all four of them that we mentioned, mm-hmm. or five. Sorry. But you still have room to bring in another depth forward, and you literally have a billion, bajillion dollars in cap space. Yes. How okay? Who who do you have to resign? You have to resign Max Domi. Mm-hmm. You have to resign Jake Evans. Uh. You have to resign Victor Mete. Those are pretty much the big names in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously Houdon and Vejdemo and Ulet. I don't know how much cap space they're going to take up. For next year, you have $20 million, and that's assuming it's $84 million. The cap space is $84 million. Yes. How, mu- like, how much is Domi going to take up? How much is Mete going to take up? If Mete gets more than $3 million, it's a crime. Domi, I have no idea what that contract will look like. Just because it's been such a... If he takes a bridge, that's probably what's going to happen. So there's reason for me to sit here and say it makes more sense for them to draft and then because players will start, f- start filtering out. By the time all these prospects come, is Shea Weber really going to be an NHL player? Yeah, but now you're you're again going to it that I, I, no, he's going to be what? So what's he now? Thirty four. Let's yeah. say Caulfield. And we're assuming his- we're assuming we're not. Again, we shouldn't assume that. Okay, you have how many draft picks? One, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 14 right now. Mm-hmm. How many do you think he's actually going to hit on that will look good and probably want to sign? If you get three of them, it's a miracle. Right. Yeah. Like, you should hit on your first round pick. Yeah. You can, should probably this year hit on a couple second round picks. Mm-hmm. You see what you see where I'm getting at? It makes more sense to draft. And even if you have to trade those prospects eventually, trade the prospects, and then when your team is at the point, bring in a, an actual NH like legitimate NHL players to strengthen your team. That's what rebuilding teams do. It's just such a muddy discussion because we, don't we know, just don't yeah. agree what the Habs are. We, we like what do you mean? What do you think the Habs are right now? I don't know. I don't know what they are anymore. Okay. Because we've talked about it. It's not like the future isn't there. Uh, who was doing the 
draft rankings, the um, prospect rankings. Cosentino or Craig Button? No, the Athletic. Uh, Scott Wheeler. Scott Wheeler had them second behind L.A.? Yeah. Okay, so there's a reason for that. Yes. Right? So it's not like the prospects aren't there. So the future is there. It's going to be screwed up if he does something stupid. Yes. So don't do something stupid. That's the easiest thing to say. Then what do you do, though? You can't just keep going where you are now with Weber and Price and not make a move, though. You can't just bet on Romanov. Like you said, it'll be the a top-six defenseman. Caulfield's not decide. coming back. and Then you have to sit there and decide. You have to sit with Jeff Molson. If I'm Mark Bergevin and I want to go a certain direction, I sit with Jeff Molson and I tell him the direction I'm going in. That's what he's done. Well, he's not done a good job at it because he's been telling us for how many years? No, so apparently it's now that like two or two seasons ago, I think it was, it was after 17-18, he went to Molson and said, oh, this is my plan now. This is where we are as a team. And that's what he's sticking to now. And the belief is that now if he makes some stupid move, that that will then tell Molson that that's it and then he'll lose his job. Well, how about you tell Molson, sorry, my plan didn't go as planned. I think we should go this direction. Because his his original five-year plan didn't work from 2012 onwards. This so is maybe a he's new not plan. the right GM. How about that? Why isn't that a, a discussion? I have. That's I don't know. He should have been gone after 17-18. That's when the, that was the KK draft year. He should have been gone then. There's no excuse why he's still why he's still there. Because at the time, what was 17-18... He had just signed Carl Olsner. Radulov and Markov left. By the way, look at when their left defense took a nosedive. It was right after he lost Andre Markov. Right. They got lucky with the Subban deal. Galchenyuk, regardless of who you got Domi out of it, was a complete screw-up of a third overall pick. Pacioretty is gone, was gone afterwards. He had legit just wasted... Remember, in the, in the same draft, the Habs drafted Ryan McDonough... P.K. Subban and Max Pacioretty. Two of those players... One was traded away by Ganey for Gomez. Ryan McDonough? Yes. Didn't play a game for the Habs. Like, the same summer they drafted him, they dealt him away for Scott Gomez. Yeah. And then they wasted... P- like, Mark Bergeron inherited the team that had prime P.K. Subban. You had a 30-goal scorer. Yeah. An elite goalie who would go on to be your franchise leader and wins. And a Norris caliber defender. You know who I blame for that? Him. He should... This is what... Okay. I look at teams who are really good. So, you're St. Louis. The Bostons. Mm -hmm. The Washingtons. Good teams. Good teams. Solid teams. What do... Tampa Bay. What do they do well? They draft... And put those players into situations to succeed. Mm-hmm. Look, like I, Robert go, Thomas for champ for um, things Robert a perfect Thomas. example. Anthony Sorelli. Let me. Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque. Um, Jacob Rana for the Capitals. Look at him. Look what he's turned into. There, even strength, God. Like. Or, and you make actual trades that help the team. Look at what uh, Steve Eiserman did. Brought in Mikhail Sergeyev. <laughs> I forgot about that deal. Andre Vasilevsky. Great deal. Actually, I don't know if he was. Was he there for Vasilevsky? 
that was 2012. Maybe not. But you no, know, you look at it anyway. You got Yanni Gore bringing in Palat, the Stamkos CEO getting it done. Victor Hedman. There was there's uh there's enough of Eiserman's fingerprints in there like the team today to see what he did there. So someone needs to like he needs to do something, or maybe J- Molson just doesn't. Maybe Jeff Molson just doesn't care because he sees them that the Habs are making the money. He says, "All right, you do what you need to until." That was the that it was is the problem in Montreal and was the problem in Toronto for how many years? And I love Brian Burke, even before Brian Burke, who no one cared in this city. All upper management in the MLSE couldn't care less how the Leafs did because game after game, year after year. They were still going to finish top three in revenue, in operating income, and in attendance. You talk about what it like. We talked about Henri Richard at the top of the show, and you look at what it meant to be a hab and in really the prestige of it. Where is that gone? This is the Montreal Canadiens. That's supposed to mean something. Don Cherry is questionable person he is he always talked about playing in all those barns and and he Mm -hmm. he would go on about the clean sheet of ice that was the floor the the thing sorry sorry to interrupt no worries just the thing with with that is when a team goes when a team goes down into a rebuilding phase what it means to be a player of that team completely changes what does it mean? Okay, for 20 years, the Detroit Red Wings made the playoffs. Mm. What does it mean to be a Detroit Red Wing now? Nothing. Not really a whole lot. What did it mean to be a, a Leaf in the 90s? In the 90s. Something. What did it mean to be a Leaf before 2015? Not a whole lot. Even the Habs, I mean, since the 70s, 93... For those of you who don't, again, that was six years before I was born. But everything you can tell about the 93 team was that was a bad team to win the cup. No one expected them to. So okay. the Habs, what has it meant to be a Habs since the 70s? But I think that continued up until recently when they started not caring. I think it when a team goes into a rut... What it means to be a player of that team changes. We'll see it eventually. All these good teams will eventually go into ruts unless they have magical GMs, which some of them do. Will go into ruts. Okay, what did it mean to be an Edmonton Oilers in the seventy, the eighties and nineties? Oh my god, it was. <sighs> it meant something. What did it mean to be an Edmonton Oiler before Connor McDavid? It was. <laughs> Regret sadness, but th- that's just still the frustrating thing. Because even when you're a crap team, if Alex, if we are a player and you hear it, whenever you put on a Leaf or a Habs logo, the moment you put it on, a player and a GM have always talked about how special it is. You still have that aura there, and it's so frustrating that it still has that effect, and you still have not been able to use it to bring people in. And again, I don't give a damn about taxes. But I think we've heard about it. I think he had a pro. There was a problem with how he n- number one negotiated contracts and number two handled players. 
it's not the it's not at this point i don't think it's the it's the uh there's club. no need i don't think it's the club it's not you're talking about what it means to be a canadian that's not what we should be talking about what you just said right there how uh, bringing in players it's not the club it's how the manager handles negotiations how the manager handles the players in and out of hockey there's no excuse why you need to still be going on about Andre Markov all these years later even if it's a question you don't need to go and say something like oh we gave him more money than he made in Russia you should have just said we offered him he didn't take it go on you don't need to step on his grave there's no reason for you to say I wanted to take Morgan Riley in the 2012 draft I think he was just walking back I think at this point he's just clawing at whatever he can to make it seem like he was doing his job because I think he at some point you know when you're screwed and I think he might know that he's in a little bit of a he's digging himself a hole yes because things pile up when you make comments like we're we're not going to mortgage the future and then tell me you're a playoff team I don't. I'm, oh, I know. I sound crazy, but I like our team. It's something he has said many times. You can't say things like that. No. Because then you don't make the playoffs for how many years? It'll and then you be... continue to tell me the same thing in different voices. It's the exact same thing as what I'm going to talk to you about the Leafs. Then would we? Because we have sent a lot. By the way, Patrick Marlowe, his first goal as a Penguin just happened. Then shall we then, Alex, move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, one point of a possible six in their Californian road trip. Three non-playoff teams. Can we talk about the good thing first? Nick Robertson, 50 goals. 50 goals in less than 50 games in, in the OHL. For the he's a Peterborough Pete, right? Peterborough Pete's. Peter- I always want to go watch the Peterborough Pete's, kind of. They have uh, SDA and they have Nick Robertson. They just got um, now his name's not coming to me. Akil Thomas. They just got Akil Thomas at the trade deadline, OHL trade deadline. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go watch the Peterborough Peets, but you know, I have to drive to Peterborough. That's uh, yeah. Uh, Just actually one one quick thing before we go full Toronto here. Yeah. Uh, We mentioned a bit of Caulfield. Watch out because now players like um, is it Liam? No, Liam Kirk's part Guelph. Uh, Alex Turcott. No, Liam Kirk is in. Is in Peterborough. Well, oh, he's in he's in okay. Peterborough. Peterborough. But uh, also start looking out for players like you know Alex Turcott, Keandre Miller, because with the NCAA seasons uh, starting to come to a close, those players will come join their teams. But anyway, yeah, Nick Robertson, Peterborough Peets. I've always wanted to go to yeah like an OHL game. And I think I went to an Ice Dogs game when I was younger, but I don't remember. Much I've never of it. been to an OHL game. I watch it whenever the hell whenever it's on TV. Yeah. But I'd love to go watch a Peter Bill Pete's game. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only hope for this team, uh, the uh, right-handed defenseman that we've all been <laughs> looking for. No, he's I center. I'd imagine he's probably going to end up being a winger. I don't know. He's looking good. That's all that really matters for me is that he looks good. Uh, probably going to be in the NHL, not next year, probably the year after. That'd he, be my guess. Does is he? Can he play for the Marlies next year, or does he go no, back? No, 
he would go back. Ooh, that's and how do you go back after a fifty goal year, right? Yeah. That's weird. There was there. It would be interesting. I don't know. I don't remember who said it. Let's see if I have if I saved the tweet because I saved a couple tweets that their talks that they may maybe talk about um, going to you're sending him to Europe. Oh yeah. That that seems like something that could that could happen. Third in the Eastern Conference are the Peterborough Peets. Damn. Behind uh, Sudbury and Ottawa. D- and Ottawa. Oh, interesting. I don't even, uh, do you know who plays for Ottawa? For big, the 67? I have no idea who plays for Big defenseman, Kevin Ball. Oh, okay. Yes. Good for him. But what do you know? London's um, ahead of the West, as always. Can we talk about... The fact that the Leafs got one point out of a possible six... I feel like in maybe California. did they think that because it was Californian ten o'clock starts that no one would talk about the fact that they lost? Can I? Can I just? Uh, <laughs> I, I think thought we need like a moment of silence for this team on a like a week to week basis. I don't know what this team is. I I thought you know what I I haven't seen that much terrible reaction about this game. Then I went on Twitter and saw that Fire Dubis was trending. I was like, ah, never mind. It's I don't know. I, I'm this is my tweet. This I put this tweet up. Get embarrassed twice in a week, right? You you lose. You get demolished by Pittsburgh. You you lose to an emergency backup goalie. Then you win three straight games. Uh, I believe it was Florida, Tampa, and Vancouver. Yes, Vancouver. And then you go 0-2-1 in California. Let me pull up the standings to help you understand how bad these teams are. Do you know who the bottom three teams in the Western Conference are? I, I, I just happen to have had the standing. So, yeah, I, it's the, the three bottom teams just so happen to be those three Californian teams. Three of the five teams in the, in the league, bottom five, are California teams. And you went 0-2-1? So, somehow... Somehow, Jonathan Quick woke up. Somehow, one good game of the month. Martin Jones woke up. Don't sit here and tell me that Anderson and Campbell aren't good. That's not the reason. Not the reason at all. Jack Campbell can do no wrong, can he? He came out the first game and said, that was on me, and he had a spectacular game. What did Marner say? Oh, this was March seventh, so that was that. So this from Chris Johnson, but it was the night before, so I believe that was the Anaheim game. He had taken a stupid tripping penalty late in the second period. This is his quote: "Just stupid on my part there. You know, frustration. You know, frustration took over there. That's the last time that happens. I'm better than that." What was the quote that I read you like three weeks, two weeks ago? What about bits like the accountability? How many times do you have to tell me it's the last time? Either tell me it's the last time or don't come out at all. Please. I, I don't want to hear your stupid crap anymore. 
I live by a code that I don't want apologies. I just want someone to tell me it's never going to happen again. No, and don't. Just don't do not tell, happen. No, don't tell me it's not happening. I, and this team, I don't. Do you want? I don't mean, do another press once, conference. Not don't, like twenty of them. Yeah, but. don't do another press conference the rest of the year. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Sorry, Chris Johnson. I'm sorry, Elliot Friedman. Sorry, whoever whoever else writes about the. I'm sorry, Ian Tulloch. Sorry, I don't want to hear what these players have to say because their words to me are absolutely meaningless. Uh, so All of them. We forgot to mention, by the way, that um, from now on it will only be formal formal co- press conference format for media for the rest of the year because of the coronavirus for the NHL. Do you know who I feel the most bad for? And it's not Jack Campbell? It's not even a single Leaf player. Who? Mike Stevens and Justin Cuthbert. Oh, my God. Yeah, your friend. I'm so mad that Rachel Dory liked your tweet. I was so jealous. So they they recorded a podcast after every single game. So that's what? Like, what a club? Yeah, pretty much. I feel so bad. Have you ever sat down and thought, what's the sleep schedule of a guy like Friedman in that? I don't know. No sleep schedule. That's what the sleep schedule is. Do they see their kids? Probably. I, again, this this is the thing. Is What, what did I text you? I don't even remember. When I texted you, you asked me about a specific game. And, and I said, I'm not even surprised. I can't find it exactly. When the Leafs lost to the emergency backup goalie, David Ayers, who I still continue to hear about at Ryerson once a week. (laughs) My my buddy I went to high school with uh, does stuff in like Orange and that. It is lacrosse game. David Ayers came to play goalie. He put it on Instagram. Come on. No way. I'm sorry. I just swore. (sighs) Sorry. So sorry. But yeah, no, yeah, David Ayers is at his... Uh, I still hear it once a week in class, somehow. Gary Gould. David Ayers. His lap coat. Their words are meaningless. Absolutely meaningless to me. Because after that game, you know, the will, the work ethic. Then they got our... No. Pittsburgh was work ethic... Uh, David Aries was willpower. That's what Mitch Marner said. You're NHL players. Shut up, Mitch. Leave it alone, Mitch. I don't want to hear. You know what? Tell me what you did bad and tell me how you're going to fix it. Because I don't want to hear this is the last time. This is the last time. No, it's obviously not the truth because every other week it's a different team. The team gets comfortable. This is what happened. They won three straight games. Florida had a wonky week, and the team got comfortable with where they were sitting in the standings. And they had this. They should have gotten six points as a result. By the way, of that and the Panthers beating the Habs last night, the Panthers have one game in hand over Toronto, and are three points back. I hope this team doesn't make the playoffs. I don't want to watch hockey in April. They're going to get murdered. What's this podcast going to look like when both our teams are out and we're in the playoffs? I don't know. I'll probably be talking about the Edmonton Oilers. We'll be talking about the Colorado Avalanche. Probably. And then... I really hope... I've never said this before, 
that I hope my team doesn't make the playoffs. If they play like this, when was the last time you heard of a consistent team that a not sorry an un, not consistent team making the playoffs and doing anything? Never. There are question marks around Calgary. Boom, gone. Gone. Tampa, have they really faced any adversity even? No, Boom, but they gone. were consistently good the entire year. Mm-hmm. This team has been so f- inconsistent. You know what? You don't want to talk about Babcock? Fine. Even with Keith, you had that good stretch of games. You got comfortable with him. Now you're playing like garbage every other week. I Yeah, I'd say the worst part about that whole stretch and then now losing to that California road trip. If you look at the grand scheme of things, oh, well, you know. Win three, lose three. It's not a surprise, just because of how it's it's the story of their season. No, yeah, it's not a surprise to me at all, it, and this team hasn't proved a single thing to me. If there's anything that you can really compare Montreal and Toronto this year, it's that headline riders in both cities must be getting so sick of it. Cause it's, it's exhausting. The same thing. It's exhausting. It's like, it's exhausting because, you know, you, you spend, and there's certain players on this team who didn't had an awful road trip. Who specifically? Someone who pushed the team for money. And it's not William Nylander. Mitchie? Yeah. Ah. Not a good road trip. I thought you were about to say William. I'm like... Not William Nylander. William Nylander has been the most consistent player on this team since game one, including the Mike Babcock time. And you're telling me that William Nylander is not worth $6.9 million, let alone that William Nylander should be traded? I wonder what he gets on the, the open market. Nylander. 7.5 at least? I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. Alex, how about to close out? Um, I just want to read you the playoff picture. Okay. So the playoffs started today. First round, we'd have Blues and Predators. Who wins? Oh, Blues. Colorado, Dallas. Colorado. Edmonton, Vancouver. Edmonton. Vegas, Calgary. Vegas. Okay. Vegas, Edmonton. Oh. I'm going to go with Vegas. Is this because of the magic of Marc-Andre Fleury? I just think they have... I just think... There's more depth on that team than there is on Edmonton. St. Louis, Colorado. Oh, my God. That is a hell of a series that I very uh, much want to happen. I really want to go with St. Louis. Mm-hmm. St. Louis, Vegas. Vegas. Really? Okay, then. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yeah. Can I we bring Scotty Hartnell uh, back? It depends on what. It depends on what Philadelphia team we get. I think it depends on if Sidney Crosby is healthy, <laughs> because then uh, that's true. Never, never doubt Sid. So uh, Pittsburgh. Okay, Washington, New York. Two teams that Which have been kind of rough. Islanders. Sorry, who have both teams oh, that have Washington. been rough, but now Washington. Washington. Um, uh, should I just say Tampa Bay is going to win? Yeah, Tampa, Tampa Bay is three. Columbus, Boston. Boston. Boston? Okay, Boston-Tampa? Oh, Face punch. Shoot. That's a good one. I like that. That's That would be an interesting matchup. Um, 
I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. All I right. think they can do something. Um, why, so did we both agree Pittsburgh for Philly? or are you gonna go I said Philly? Pittsburgh, guys. Pitts, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Washington. That's uh, that's Washington. I yeah, think Washington does it again. Washington, Tampa rematch of the conference finals from a few years ago. Um, Sorry, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. All right, Tampa Bay, Vegas Golden Knights. Tampa. Yeah, you think Tampa do it this year? All right, then I like. I that. think they got really pushed to the edge last year with getting swept, mm-hmm. and they did face some type of adversity this at the beginning of this season and they dug themselves out of their hole. By the way, right now the Hurricanes are playing against Pittsburgh. I would say uh, a massive game for the Hurricanes. If they win, they will tie the Blue Jackets for 79 points, but they will have two games in hand. Columbus, I think, by the way, is safe to say. I don't think they're making it. I think the injuries are finally going to catch up to yeah. them. Which is very sad. But I still don't think they would beat Washington with Carolina, by the way. Unless all of a sudden Dougie Hamilton and Sammy oh, Vatman yeah. are 100%. If, if Carolina had a fully, uh, fullish, full-strength team. Brady with, Shea with, with, plays forward. With Brady Shea, Dougie Hamilton, Pesci, uh, Pesci Vatman. TVR. That team will really push the Washington Capitals. Montreal, they're basically begging to get rid of Jake B. Go get him. You could probably get another defenseman. They have enough. Yeah. They're like what Anaheim used to be, where it's just you just want a defenseman. defenseman. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's everything for today then. Yes. How long did we go for? A lot. Jesus. That was a lot longer. Maybe because we had pizza before the start of the episode. Yeah. Anyway, though, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode the ep- of the podcast, episode 50, be sure to give it a follow, review, rate, follow, like, share, subscribe, wherever you're listening yeah. to the podcast, uh, whichever platform. Go do that kind of stuff, because why wouldn't you? Reach, why not? Why not? Uh, question. Last thing before we leave. Mm-hmm. Will Daniel be here for the 100th episode? He freaking better be. <laughs> Strap him to a chair or something. Maybe <laughs> yeah. he'll... I don't know. It's flip a coin, really, with Daniel. But again, the reason Daniel will be big is because we never see him. Exactly. Uh, check out the show's Instagram page as well as the YouTube page and all that fun stuff. Check out me and Alex's social medias as well as Daniel's, why not, including my YouTube channel. And we will see you, I guess, Wednesday for episode 51. Mm-hmm.